Hey guys, welcome to Bagden Boardcast, episode number 428. I'm Chris. I'm John. <laughs> and I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out December 9th. Only a few more weeks left of this year. 2020. Then we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that we bought in November of 2020. Uh, we're going to be discussing Punchline number one, Taskmaster number one, and Barbalian number one. Three books. Three books. Three books. Three, three friends. Three, three beers. Three beers. Hey. And Chris, what are we drinking? Uh, we're doing something a little special right now. If you follow us over on the Instagram social medias, you would have seen us post about this uh, prior to recording this episode. So by the time you hear it, you might already know what we're doing. But for all of our shows in the month of December, we're actually all going to be drinking the same beers. And we're doing this through the Clown Shoes 12 Beers of Christmas multipack. Um, a lot of companies are putting out different types of advent calendars. Like, where you get, pop it open, you get a fun little toy or chocolate. I've seen wine ones. I've seen cheese ones. Uh, I think it's fun that Clown Shoes is doing their own kind of thing. And I think it's fun that we were all able to find this so we can share beers together, even though, you know, we're all recording this from our homes, different states. Um, yeah. So it brings us closer together through the palette of beer. Right. Does yeah, and, we're, and uh, oh, go ahead. our first our first beer from Clown Shoes is Yeehaw, and this is a double dry hopped New England style IPA, and uh, coming in at seven percent. And I unfortunately have a bad can. I actually have the Clown Shoes webpage open right now because they do have a page devoted to the twelve beers of Christmas. Uh, you just want to go to it, it's HTTPS semicolon backslash backslash clownshoesbeer.com backslash 12 beers backslash. Uh, but it takes you through all of them in the order that you're supposed to be drinking them because they're not actually labeled on the cans. It's printed on the side. But yes, uh, number one, yeehaw. It's a tropical citrus-focused hazy IPA with Citra, Azaka, and Mosaic hops leading the way. Double dry hopped, yeehaw, is an expansion of the fruit notes and smooth, full-bodied flavor that is exemplary of this modern style. All I know is your readings of yeehaw is putting a lot of pressure on me for the dramatic reading. Yeehaw! Because <laughs> you guys have sold it. Uh, John, I we, would, we took our I would buy this beer if they were selling it individually. Yeah, because you you are not a fan of this. Because you said you're not getting any of those like tropical. I'm not. I I definitely have a bad can. I even like when I poured it. I tried to show you guys like there's something wrong with the head. Uh, it just doesn't look right, and it doesn't taste right. It doesn't smell right. Um, it's super malty. It's got a real bad bitterness to it. I drank most of it. It's getting towards the bottom here. It is uh, very unpleasant. And it has a real tanniny tea flavor, no tropicalness to it. So I definitely have. There's definitely something wrong, and I knew right away when I poured it that something was wrong. Yeah, oh. but how are you guys liking the beer? I think this brings big passion fruit, big uh, juicy flavors. It's and then just that little bit of drying malting uh, or dryingness, you know, 
the bitterness at the very end that makes you just want to go back for that next sip to get that fruit flavor again, you know, with that, and then rinse your palate out of that rininess. But, you know, it's all enjoyable. It's really good. I'm almost all the way through it, and I was the last one to open it, so. Yeah, I definitely had to pace myself on this because I was, when I heard that you didn't like it, I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to start off on a bad note, but I really enjoyed this. I think it is a nice tropical fruity double dry hopped IPA, like Paul said. It gives you that little bit of orange rind, like that orange rind zestiness on the tongue that you're just kind of like, ooh, like, let me let me get in a little bit more. Um, I haven't checked into it on Untapped yet, but if this was something that I could just get in one of their like tall boy cans, I, mm-hmm. I would pick this up. This would be a just great porch drinker. I mean... I could still sit on my porch out here because it's in the 60s and 70s. I know it started snowing the other day for you guys up in Buffalo, but... Mm-hmm. Still haven't had the shovel, though, so... Nice. It's but so far, yeah, I... basically, it snowed overnight, and by the next morning, it's almost all gone here. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't say it up at the front, though, yet. but th- uh, this is a 12-pack of cans. Uh, 25 bucks, which isn't isn't bad value. I mean, we get like two, two bucks, two a, bucks a can. Yeah. Bad. It I, is a I little bit of a more. Christmas treat, you know. It's it's not a horrible price, but you, you know, I feel good about splurging a little bit here and there during the holidays, and this feels kind of like a splurge because it is. I want to buy this as a as a beer as a fridge filler. I want to buy this to do anything other than this. What we're doing right now, I agree. Like if I was still having the friends holiday party i might have bought this but then we would have to take out each can and like do a little splash each like oh this is a double dry hopped ipa who wants a little bit and like, like split o- it that way like old school bag and board where we would all crack open like <laughs> four beers and then just kind of take a sippy sip and then pick out from there exactly like that's that's what i would probably have done with this pack um and that way i would have gotten through it all in one night and uh would have had some fun with it that way and also tried off and still be able to try all 12. This isn't a regular 12 pack, you know, not a regular 12 pack and definitely not a regular variety pack either since you're only getting one beer each. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just you. Maybe that's just news. Yeah. Paul. Like this is something like how we've complained in the, in years past about like Sam Adams having like, four Boston lagers and then two each of the rest of their winter variety when they have beers that you really like out of that and you're getting shortchanged. This one, at least you know, I'm buying this beer because it's 12 different beers. Mm-hmm. And you could do it as an advent calendar, as Chris said. And those beer advent calendars are always big sellers around this time frame. You have people who, in my store, they come in and they like... I, I'm looking for 12 different beers. I'm making a calendar. Or we've sold them before where I have individually wrapped different bottles and put it in a case, and then we were selling that. Like, we definitely, there's definitely a market for that. And I think Clown Shoes was pretty smart to put a package out like that. Yeah. Because in an Advent calendar, there's 24, right? Because Christmas, you don't yeah. open up. Advent calendar because it's Christmas. Yeah, right? but I th- and like when people do it themselves to just buy twelve beers and you know like you know the twelve days of Christmas, oh. give them like that. It's mm. an, yeah, yeah. But I, sure. you know, 
Not a lot of people want to buy t- 24 single beers. Yeah, well, and a lot of people don't a, want to commit to an actual thing. And, you know, people need to learn to commit. If you're going to do an advent calendar, just do it. I will say, just because I wondered if any other breweries were kind of putting out their own little thing like this, and there are some available, but it seems like it's all done by other companies. And this one, again, it's 12 beers. It's called uh, Beer Advent Calendar from GiveThemBeer.com. It's $79 for for 12 cans. Uh, doesn't say what's in there, but it says beer from Ballast Point, Dogfish Head, Wicked Weed, and more. It really is a Christmas miracle. Uh, then from City Brew Tours comes another one that's 12 different beers, 12 beers of Christmas. This one's $85. Does not say what breweries are involved. There's the Hoppy Hanukkah for $75, which has eight beers. Um, so a lot of them, this one, $125, but it comes in like a snowman. Does it have 24 uh, beers? Oh, this one's actually just for the snowman. It doesn't actually have the beers, so... Oh, jeez. Yeah. So it seems like this is an open market. Like, if you are able to put out something like this and keep the cost down on it, you might as well go for it. Apparently, Costco has one. Um, the Brewer's Advent Calendar. Ooh. It's a... All German style beers. I can't make out any of the labels on them, but yeah, something something to keep an eye out for. I, uh, you know, uh, with that, let's get into the news because there, there was some we, we haven't talked in a while, and there's been some news. And I already I talked to you two days ago. Yeah. Well, we haven't talked to the li- with the listeners. Oh, okay. Uh, so, what was the news again, guys? I already forgot. Uh, we'll, we'll, get the, <laughs> we'll get the sad news out of the way first. Um, the actor best known for portraying Darth Vader in the original Star Wars trilogy, David Prowse, has passed away. I didn't read any of the articles about cause of death, but I'm guessing it was... His daughter being, came out to say COVID. This was, oh, this I stepped on joke. your joke. I'm sorry. Fucking I'm asshole. Sorry. Uh, but I'm guessing it was being thrown down a shaft by the emperor in retaliation. I don't know. There. Now you can now you can actually give the news, John. Yeah, John, that was a little forced. Oh. I think you really came out to say it was Chris's joke there. 9/11. related. Oh, COVID. National tragedies <laughs> all blurred together in your mind. Oh, man. That's a weird one. It's uh, odd that I said that. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I mean, uh, it's sad to see anyone go. He was an older gentleman. Um, he lived a pretty good life. He was like a bodybuilder, or he won yeah, he like Mr. Universe and stuff. Uh, he actually interesting. taught uh, Christopher Reeve. How to lift and everything to try to get ready for the, the Superman role before he got cast to be the actor inside of Darth Vader's suit. And, hmm. uh, Interesting. Still, I still feel bad for him that he, his face wasn't actually the face when they lift Vader's helmet off. It isn't him. Well, he was originally the voice too, right? Well, they used his voice like, so that the actors can play off of the voice, but I don't think they ever planned on using his actual voice, because it wasn't 
because he had a very British accent. <laughs> and I think, but I also believe that they didn't tell them tell him that he wasn't going to be the voice. Uh, at least I for don't the know. first. At I least for the, the first. Film. All I know is he only got paid seven thousand dollars for that first movie. But he's probably made a lot more in appearances since then. And well, he made a lot more in the next two movies, apparently. But that first movie, since nobody knew how well it would do and everything, like, come on, he's Darth Vader. Like, I think he's made some more money since then. So you're right, Chris, in appearances and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's that stuff adds up. So, but again, sad. Uh, yeah, uh, the other news um, that I brought I brought to the table was that uh, Warner Brothers is going to be releasing all of their 2021 movies on their streaming HBO Max service. Um, they said this is not going to be the way it is. This is only for 2021 and 2022. They will absolutely be putting features back into theaters. And I imagine if halfway through next year we're, you know, up and running again, they might start putting things back into theaters previous. But at this point, uh, HBO Max will see uh, Suicide Squad, Matrix 4, Dune, The Many Saints of Newark, The Heights, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Mortal Kombat, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. Uh, all those will be in their uh, HBO Max streaming service. Okay, the only one that I knew that was being released, I think, was Dune. <laughs> right? Like, that one was supposed to come out this year in 2020. I feel like, yeah, everything else I think... Oh, in the was, Heights as well. Yeah. yeah. Everything else I think it was kind of more further down the road, but they're just confirming now, like, in case things don't change, and you can't go to your local theater, because some of these will be released in theaters if your theaters are open. Um, you can still see them date and date, but it seems like they're just kind of preparing for the worst, so they're not handling it like every other, you know, major motion picture studio is now, where they're just kind of kicking that can further down the road in hopes that things will change. Um, as much as I don't like this, I don't have HBO Max. I, I don't blame them for wanting to get this content out there so people can see it in some way. Because, yeah, you might not be able to get it off of HBO Max because you're like me and you're just a schlub that doesn't have that service. Mm-hmm. But once it's on HBO Max, a couple months later, they'll release it on Blu-ray or DVD. Or you'll be able to rent it or Video stream it off demand. of something else. Like Getting it out there, that first push is really what's, I think, costing a lot of these studios the money. So I'm kind of taking this news as, okay, this is my new DVD purchase. If there's a movie that I would want to see and would want to buy the DVD of, like Wonder Woman 1984, like I bought the original Wonder Woman DVD Blu-ray. I don't know if I actually took it out of the seal yet and actually watched that Blu-ray. And I've you know, kind of broken that habit now with all the streaming services that are out there. I think now with this news, I'm like, okay, Dune, I would want to see that. How much does a month cost of HBO Go or HBO Max or whatever it's called, HBO Go? Is it eight ninety nine? HBO Max. What? I don't know what it is. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. You have it, John. It's okay. I don't. I don't yeah. pay attention to that stuff. My wife is the finance financier. But as long as it's cheaper than twelve ninety nine for a month, I would be happy. Okay, I want to watch Wonder Woman. I'll buy it for a month. I'll watch Wonder Woman maybe once, and then get you know watch whatever I else want for that month. Cancel it and wait for the next movie, the big movie release that I want to see. Buy that, you know, Dune. Watch what I want, and then cancel it again. Just purchase it and cancel it immediately, and like be like, okay, you're you you purchased it for this month. You you will you will not be charged again a recurring fee on this date, and your cancel, uh, subscription will be canceled. Like I think uh, that's what, how I'm going to treat HBO. So it's fourteen ninety nine a month. Still, a, um, still a Blu-ray. Still cheaper yeah, than a Blu-ray. That's still a price of a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still- also get six six months with twenty percent off, so you can get six months for sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah. I don't. Um, I don't use my streaming services enough already to really like. I fall asleep to Netflix being on, but that's about it. Like. I watch so, some shows on Disney Plus, but I'm not constantly watching it. Like I watch more YouTube than anything else. I'm just trying trying to justify. Do you think if you watch it in like the respect that like okay, you're paying it, paying for it almost like a movie subscription? Like, would you and Kate go to the movies once a month to see you know something like Dune or Space Jam or Mortal Kombat? Like. Would you be able to justify it that way by being like, well, you know what, we're spending $14 to go see the movies, but if we were to go to the theater to see these, it would wind up costing us 20 or like 15 If I was to go back and actually really think about how many times that I per year I go to the movies, I would be shocked if it was three times a year. It's usually once on my birthday, you know, on my birthday weekend to see the new Marvel movie, and then maybe one more time with my dad to go see something. And then, if that there is a third movie in there, I'd be like, "Wow, that was I went to the movies a lot that year." So, and that's how I, you know, that's how I've been my entire life. Like going to the movies has been like an ex, not an extravagance, but it's something that just it was a rarity. Like you, Christmas, you know, near Christmas, near my mom's birthday, we might all go. The whole family might go to see a movie and run into John, and he'd go, "Hi, McGowans." And then the whole McAllen family would say goodbye they'd to him. Tur- Innocent. They'd, they'd turn around and say goodbye to me. Uh, yeah, I. I think the HBO Max is better than having uh, Hulu or um, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Especially right now, there's no Netflix shows. Like having the Marvel shows on there was the reason for me to keep Netflix. I think you have better choice of movie, TV, documentaries on HBO Max than you do on Netflix. Or, I mean, Hulu, if you want to watch current live streaming stuff that's coming mm-hmm. out now, to do it there. But I think the movies and the shows... I Paul, I texted you and it's like, you have to see Stargirl because I was watching it on HBO Max. Like, it's really good. The... Uh, Harley Quinn on there is really good. Um, some of the other DC shows they've announced don't super interest me over there, but I don't know. I 
I was watching Casablanca the other night on it, on it, on it, and then I watched like a brand new movie that just came out like on it. So I think it's it's definitely worth worth it. Yeah, probably in January I'll pick it up for that month. Watch Wonder Woman 1989 or 1984. So that's t- Taylor Swift yeah. 1989. Sorry, Wonder Woman 1984. <clears throat> um, and then you can watch Star Girl. And I can watch Star Girl during that month. Yeah, and anything else that might, I might hit, can, you know, have it canceled. And just wait for the next big release, and I think that's why HBO is doing this. Because honestly, fourteen ninety nine—that's the cost of two prime prime time, you know, not not matinee movie tickets, right? Or even matinee. Matinee is like eleven bucks, right? I think it's like it was ten or eleven bucks for a regular ticket. Like going, yeah, yeah with, going to, with my it's over sheets now. The second run so. with my discount, I can go see like a new movie. At a matinee for like eight dollars, yeah. So that's sixteen bucks for two people. So at that point, I might be able to justify it, but also I might just forget I said this, and then like, oh yeah, I'll wait for Wonder Woman to hit Blu-ray, and then I buy it on Blu-ray and forget to take it out of the packaging and never watch it until we hound you and we make fun of you that you haven't watched it. Yeah, true. And something else that you won't be able to watch uh, going forward is DuckTales, which has been confirmed canceled over at Disney XD. Uh, Apparently, I mean, it's a great show. I didn't realize there was going to be this much outpouring of no cries from the audience for it. But I think three seasons is really good for a reboot of a show based off of a show from the 90s. Like, it's not bad. They've already said they're going to be doing a Darkwing Duck one, and there's other stuff in the pipeline too, you know, just kind of drawing on that nostalgia. So be happy for the times that we had, they got 75 episodes out of it, which I think is more than the original DuckTales. I would have to go check the math on that, but that's, that's not bad. I'm going back and rewatching gravity falls right now on Disney plus that only had two seasons and that's a fantastic show. Like it's flipping great. I could see them. It's getting canceled on, Disney XD. I can see it definitely be something that uh, they might do a special or a mini series or something like that on Disney Plus as another reason for those fans to have the sh- the streaming service. Yeah. So, no, I'm I'm sad to see it go. I think we're still in the middle of season two. Yes, uh, um, third season's not going to wrap up until the end of 2021 so you still have a whole another year of ducktales ahead of you yeah and, and i mean it things, was things can change too like they keep it around they could keep doing shorts or like a spin-off series who knows yeah uh i i like the show i'm glad i got as much of it as i have because it's a really good show I haven't seen it what well, you should paul i know i um, should watch a lot of things but there's youtube <laughs> It's YouTube. Um, People played this golf. Was... Uh, something else I had, I brought this one to the table. We got our first look uh, at some new, not footage, but... Set photos. Uh, set photos from Disney Plus's Hawkeye show, where we could see Jeremy Renner back as Hawkeye. But then we also get our first confirmed glimpses of Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, and who appears to be Pizza Dog. Because there is a live golden retriever running around the sets with them as well. 
Um, also been confirmed that some other characters from the Marvel Universe, like Swordsman and Echo, who you may know better from the Daredevil comics, will also be appearing with rumors that uh, Florence Pugh, or I'm not sure, sorry, my kitten keeps crying, uh, Florence Pugh from Black Widow also possibly appearing in the series as well. But we'll have to wait a little bit longer to find out, because this show won't be out until 2021. <laughs> Who's Haley Seinfeld? Um, she was in Bumblebee. Oh, okay. She was also in... Um, oh, what's the cowboy movie with Jeff Bridges and the... Um, oh, the True remake, Grit. Uh, True Grit. She was the girl. I still want to see Bumblebee. Still haven't seen it. Yeah. It's, it's on Hulu. I haven't watched it yet. But it's supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be... Everybody says it's what? Is huh? it on HBO Max? Is that another it thing isn't. for Paul? It okay. isn't. <laughs> then, you know, why get HBO Max at this point? You know, I haven't checked, but it could be. I heard it's on Hulu, so I could watch it there it's on Hulu. for free? I guess. Um, I don't know. It might be ads. I pay, for, I I pay for Hulu, so I don't... Yeah. yeah. Uh, looking forward to this show. I'm just looking forward to more Marvel anything whenever we finally get it because man it's been a long year mm-hmm. yeah uh and then we have official casting recasting of johnny depp in fantastic beats beasts with uh mad bickelson uh coming in to replace him which i think is a good choice i enjoy him as an actor and his characters and he's played a wizard before Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Oh, that's true. I was thinking I, Galen Erso. I, I mean, I guess he's like a scientific wizard, weapons planning. Um, yeah, we talked about this briefly, either on the show or before the show. Time doesn't make sense anymore. Um, yeah, I'm okay with this. I think having someone appear as Grindelwald is very important because that's what they're building towards, but if we said this on the show, if we didn't, sorry if we're repeating it, but why not just have Colin Farrell back again? Like yeah. he did great in that first movie. I've been meaning to go back and rewatch it, but I have to buy the second one too, because I know after I rewatch the first one, I'm going to watch the second one again. I just don't own it yet. Is that one on um, HBO max? No. Actually, not. yeah, the Harry Potter franchise right now is not streaming anywhere. I'm surprised since that's a Warner Brothers movie. Interesting. Because yeah. hmm. uh, the Wizarding World was t- is tied up with a bunch of different streaming rights, and it's just really weird. You know, I I just blame that scummy Ministry of Magic. Well, I had a joke about uh, this whole recasting. Apparently the next movie in the franchise is Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Very Troubled Actors. Wow. Mm. Hey, it's just as good as your Vader joke. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Anyways. I didn't think that Vader joke was that good. <laughs> I liked it. I did you guys watch the holiday talking about having Vader like thrown down in a, a shaft? Uh did you watch the holiday special the Lego holiday special? I did. I started it and my kid threw a fit, so I didn't see anything else of it. Uh he, he it's like nice. It. He's a kid. Uh, it's he not, tells it's him to not, shut up and go to bed. Baby, and you watch. It's not Baby Shark. 
And then when you put Baby Shark on, it's not the right Baby Shark. And then you got to hear this kid scream. I'm getting sick of him. <laughs> it's always an adoption, right? There's there's always a reactor you could throw him down. Hey, you know, I talked to the doctor and we can't get a Gagorshin yet, so it's too late. Too late for that Gagorshin. Um, it's a Mr. Show reference. Um, oh, okay. I actually, I, I did watch it, and I say it was very nice to see Rose Tico actually get to do something in a Star Wars film again. Yeah. Uh, but did she it was, do much, though? She had lines. I mean, that's... Yeah, she had lines. Still a step up. It's not um, like she grossed it at the yip dip. Yip, yip. It's not all, like she went to a black spire outpost and bought a mug. Or the Emperor. I, I did enjoy, though. I think there was enough... But that kind of like Lego fun humor and then callbacks to other stuff in the Star Wars universe. That it's a fun 20, 30 minute watch, however long it was. I mm-hmm. It was a good way to spend an evening. Forty. It was a 45, 49 minute. Oh, was it? Okay. It, yeah. it books. Because Kate said it was felt really long. She lost interest like right away. Hmm. Oh. I giggled a couple times. Oh, and they're like, okay. they're going through all the different timelines and then like you just uh-huh. see more and more things falling through the time portal with them. I love that. Did we have any other news, or is that is that it? I think that's it. That's enough. See, we we think we never have news, but it always keeps us talking for a while. Yeah. So let's get into the list of the comic books we're looking forward to coming out December 9th? December 9th, 2020. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who wants to start? I don't want to start. I, I but I'll st- will if nobody I'll, else will. I'll start. Uh, I'm looking forward to um, Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez going back into the world of Lock and Key with a crossover event with uh, Sandman Universe. Um, the Lord of Dreams and Lucifer um, have a uh, key to hell that is kind of up in the air and Maybe one of the Hill uh, or the uh, Locke family ends up with the key. Who knows? Let's. I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, I like Sandman and uh, I like Lock and Key. Yeah, I haven't read any more Lock and Key after we read that first volume for Trading Policy a couple of years ago. Um, did you watch the Netflix show? Yes. Was that a good. Like, or take on it? It is as good as an interpretation you can make from the source material. I didn't necessarily love it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, Caitlin, who's read the entire series, she also, like, I think she liked it a little bit more than me. But it was, it felt almost a slog to get through on some episodes, because some episodes were... We're kind of. It felt like a little bit like filler kind of things, um, but no, it was it was good. I think they put a second season out, but I don't think we watched it. I'm I'm not the person to ask. I don't know. But Paul, do you have something that you are looking forward to? Yeah, uh, you guys know I like a good heist. And, in fact, and we also know you like random issues. Yes. If it has a number one on it, I don't want to read it. If if it says continuing onward, I'm like, yes. I don't need to know. I can jump right in, and I never do. But Operation Starlight Part 1, The Arctic Relic, 
I'm breaking the mold, guys. It has a number one in it. But this is Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, issue number nine, uh, written by uh, Charles Soule uh, and art by variant cover, variant cover. Who's the actual writer? Oh, and also a co-written by Oscar Balazuda. And I don't see the actual artist name, but Rosenberg. Okay. Uh, but this is going to have Lando and Lobot going into Coruscant and stealing some uh, stealing the, uh, droid. From, from right off a of Coruscant, right under the Emperor's nose. Mm. So that sounds like fun. Who I mean, do you think? What, what do you? What robot do you think it is? It says an ancient robot, ancient droid Ooh. holds the key. So an ancient droid. So I'm thinking it's one of those uh, super battle plan droids from. Uh, no, those aren't ancient though. Those would be fairly new. Yeah. Still, long time ago. Galaxy far, far away, though. Who knows what ancient means for them? Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's an ancient, one of those ancient droids that I battled in uh, Vader Immortal. Could be. Chris, what are you looking forward to? So, the book that I was going to pick actually came out last week because I thought that Batman Catwoman thing was like a one shot and then they were having a series. Turns out what I had pulled was that Batwoman. Batman Catwoman issue. So I'm not going to talk about that. Instead, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. Uh, this past week, we got the release of the new World of Warcraft expansion, Shadowlands. I've been very busy with work, so I haven't had a chance to really dive into it too much yet. Uh, what little bit I have played, I've really enjoyed, but I'm looking forward to hopefully getting some time over the upcoming week where I can actually sit down and get my main character through all of the different covenants in the Shadowlands. Uh, basically, the Warcraft version of the Afterlife. Get in there, root around, figure out what's been going on, help help solve the problem, and then pledge myself to uh, a covenant. Are you excited for the uh, the uh, Threads of Fate, where your alts don't need to play through the storyline, and you can just ray up with a covenant? I am because I, I'm enjoying seeing the different like quadrants of the afterlife. Uh, so far, I've only been able to do Bastion, and then I want to say I'm probably about halfway through Maldraxxus right now. Uh, I'm just excited to get into Ardenweald and Revendreth so I can live in those lands for a little bit, and then pick whatever covenant for all of my alts. But right now, I'm kind of having a hard time picking for my main character. Ooh. Is this what it's like to listen to me talk about HBO Max? It's okay because you're a cinephile. <laughs> I am not hey. a cinephile. I was trying to yeah. I was trying to keep it quick because it's not a comic book <laughs> thing. And it's not something that's ever going to come back again for like a look back or you know uh, a, a trade policy. So yeah, it's just it's just no, something, I know. I just, something I'm looking forward I, to. I was just making a joke. That's okay. You know what you can make. A, a run to the refrigerator for your next beer. You yeah. got it. I already have my next beer. We all drinking we all it? our next beer. Hey, me too. Oh, we uh, can just I, go right into it. I introduced the last one. Uh, I'm I'm ready to go. I got it open. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So cause... for day number two, or if you're drinking along with us here on the podcast for beer number two on the show, uh, we have Reindeer Games. This is a Bavarian IPA, seven percent ABV. 
with Mosaic Hops and Munich Malt, and they call it a beautiful malt-forward red-hued IPA that is crafted with both German and American hops and malts. Let the games begin. And, yeah, like, first sip, it definitely hits that kind of nice weedy Bavarian malt. Like, there's a... I refer to this when we first started recording the show as, like, that grassiness. But this is the kind of malt that I really like. Yeah, I... I don't necessarily get grass to it, but but no, like when we I first can... started recording, like I this was like the grassy, oh, like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like earthy, not earthy, but like that grainier when, taste. Green. When you yeah. said first started recording, I thought you meant this episode. No, like way back <laughs> when, like this was the this was the grassy. Two thousand nine, Chris. You're talking about eleven years ago. Yes. Oh, when we were so young and naive, and we felt oh. no pain. <laughs> we're just pups. We we could barely grow these beards that we have now. I, I just have stubble, but I, I'm, I'm enjoying this red IP, or red ale, right? It's more. Of I mean, red, no, it's a. It's a red hued IPA. It's a, okay, it's, a Bav- it's a Bavarian. Do you have a Belgian IPA, Paul? No, no. It, it says you said Belgian, Bavarian. I'm sorry. I okay. half read the can, half understood what my taste buds were tasting, and the only uh, third of the percent know <clears throat> where I'm at right now. So it's fine. Uh, no, this is really good. I like this. Um, quite a bit i don't believe it's a bad can for this um yeah those malts really make this beer shine it's definitely that malt forward with a nice hoppiness to it um yeah i like this a lot i i did have this beer once before uh three years ago and i put it at a 2.25 but i would i would gladly bump this up because i i enjoyed this i do believe John, you're a cinephile. Is Reindeer Games worth watching? It's a bread. It's not a bread. What's his ben name? Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you... In- it is a heist Is it a heist movie? movie? Uh, if you enjoy... Is it on HBO I didn't check. Uh, I don't believe so, because I probably... I scrolled through all the movies yesterday, and I probably would have went, ooh, Reindeer Games. Uh... If you enjoy younger Ben Affleck when he was kind of fast talking, you know, wisecracking Ben Affleck, uh, yes. It's also got uh, the sexy Charlize Theron uh, and creepy Gary Sinise. Uh, no, it's uh, it's worth watching. Uh, you can watch it on Amazon Prime if you subscribe to mm. AMC Plus. Um, oh, oh, here's decider.com apparently tells you where you can. I don't think it's that oh, important. No, I guess. But it is a Christmas movie that you could talk about in a upcoming soundbite. If I watch it. He's not going to watch it. He won't watch it. Um, but yeah, you have to buy it. I, I do enjoy this. And again, this. Uh, Something that I had a few years ago, didn't like it at that time. I'm I'm glad I'm drinking it now. And this is one of those things, if I had just seen this somewhere on the shelf and was like, oh, have I had that one? And checked my untapped check-ins to see if I had. And I saw I gave it a 2.25. I wouldn't have picked it up. But drinking it out of this multi-pack, yeah, like, I, I bumped it back up. Uh, yeah. Thanks, uh, This multi-pack, too, is most... 
They just flew. Oh. They just flew over my my house um, in a sleigh. It is a waiting. lot of IPAs, and there are beers that I was like, "Oh, I've had that before. Or I've seen that on the shelf," kind of a thing. But it's a nice way for you to get to know their beers and their profiles that they do. Uh, you know what is on HBO Max? My gift, a Christmas special from Carrie Underwood. So. John, that'll get you I don't think I would season. ever watch that. <laughs> what? Well, you know why? You just got to have Jesus take the wheel and drive you over to the uh. Carrie Underwood Christmas special. That's all I know about no, Carrie Underwood. No, I don't know. You know what else I, I, know know what else I never watched? Underwood. Taylor Swift special on Disney+. Plus. Oh, folklore? I don't it need to know a description. It was just her... <laughs> no, the listeners need to know, because you know I watched it. <laughs> we should have talked about it for the news. Uh, it was her talking to her like collaborators like about the songs that they you know kind of wrote together, and then they sang you know they would perform the song, and then went through every track on her uh, on the folklore album. Uh, Kate said that she found herself liking the songs less the more she knew about them, which I can understand because. A lot of times they would just like point out one or two lyrics that they really liked that they wanted in the song, and then you realize like those were the only two lyrics that actually, you know, convey any other meaning. You know, get, get have any of this meaning come across? And she's like, "Well, now that they, I know the story behind it, I'm less interested because before Kate would listen to it and be like, "Oh, I wonder what they mean by this." Now that she has the answers, it's like a. I still like Folklore as an album. I think it's um, very song and, uh Okay. You guys can get off your phones now. I'm done. And now, a dramatic reading from Excalibur, Volume 1, page 41, panel 3. As for myself, I tire of the burden of leadership. That was a dramatic reading from Excalibur, Volume 1, page 41, panel 3. Still haven't sat down to read that yet. I don't know who that was, but... Yeah. I feel like that should be like on like one in those little frames. Almost like, as for our household, we shall serve tacos. Live, laugh, love. Yeah, yeah. as for myself, <clears throat> I tire with burden of leadership. It seems like one of those things you would hang on your wall for inspiration yeah I guess yeah that's dramatic guys we're in it we're We're in it the main topic the main topic so we didn't talk about what books we were going to be looking at first or the order for anything why don't we do you because I'm logged into yours that works so for my book from over at DC Comics I picked up Punchline Number one. Uh, this one was written James by Tinian. someone. Art was by someone else. Thank you. I, I don't have it open. Uh, it wasn't ready. It wasn't ready to go yet, guys. Uh, you have uh, Sam Johns and James Tinian as writers. Pencils by Mirka Andolfo. Andolfo. Yeah. Mirka Andolfo. Uh, And what we're getting here is the actual origin story 
of Punchline. Just how she kind of came into the Joker's universe and how that's kind of affected her because this is very much taking place after the Joker war is wrapped up and she's going to be on trial while still having flashbacks to her first run in with the Joker and how that kind of set her on the path with her researching the Joker and just trying to find the method behind that madness through uh, recording a podcast that Harper Rose brothers actually listening to uh, kind of sending him down a similar path where she's kind of building up a following uh, and promises at the end, what you saw in the Joker war that that's just the beginning. Um, 499. This was a exercise issue. I picked this up because November was a really slow month for me. There wasn't a lot of stuff coming out and I really enjoyed the Joker war crossover. I liked the punchline special that we had that was kind of her introductory story. It wasn't so much an origin, but just her in one of the, I want to say it was like the Joker War. No, it was, it was the Joker anniversary side stories. Was that okay? Because I knew there was one she had popped up and I thought it was the same one that had like Clown Hunter and like the Stephanie Brown and. Cassandra Kane's story, but yeah, we read comic books. Maybe it show. was. I, I thought it was in the Joker uh, one, though. But it, it could have been. It might have been the in the Joker ADF podcast. So uh, let me know because I'm not going to do any research. But I have to say I actually enjoyed this one more, and just kind of the setup for the next Batman big crossover that we'll probably be getting out of it. This had like a really good ground level story. There's some capes and cowls in it, but ultimately you're just seeing the story of a person kind of being driven mad by their own want for more information and trying to find a place maybe for herself or maybe for the Joker, because why are you trying to tell a joke to one person when you have a whole other audience that you're missing? Yeah, out It's on? definitely her obsession is what's fueled her to become the punchline character and her following the Joker and realizing there's more to him than just, you know, smiling fish or poisoning the water or doing any of that. Uh, this is the, I didn't read, I read the, introductory that we read in, in one of those books. We read the first issue of that Batman book. And then I haven't read anything else till this. And I I just don't care. Like, I'd never read that character through the Batman books where I probably would have gotten to know her better and may have been more interested in this. But at this point, I mean, it was a bit of a slog to get through because at no point did I realize or figure out why I was supposed to care about this character. Well, you're supposed to care about the manipulation that she's taking, that she is putting on uh, Colin, right? Yeah. Is that his name? Mm -hmm. Colin. You know, you're supposed to care that she is manipulating us, the reader, to try to make her us care about her. All right? Um, because... 
I'm not convinced. She she is not a uh, trustworthy narrator. Like we know that. Like you go, we as a comic book reader know we're not supposed to trust her telling of her own story. And and looking at the artwork here, like she says, oh yeah, I was a normal student, and but then you know she even says I got just good grade good grades enough not to make anybody notice. It's, and then she's the one that's standing off from the rest of the group, uh, you know, for, during her field trip. And she's the only person in that room that watches Joker shoot the person on, on air. Like, everybody else is turned away or has their eyes closed. She she is full-eyed watching, taking it all in. Yeah. Even her outfit, she has like two or three different uh, smiley face pins on her in this flashback scene. So, I think her obsession with the Joker with didn't the... start during the, with that meeting. It, it so uh, you know, and also I, I feel like punchline is just a a solution to a problem that DC created when they decided to make Harley Quinn a hero. Or, or emanci- emancipate her from the Joker. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It is. Is that a movie yeah. title? That should be a movie title. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, and now we have this character that's basically, oh, I now saying that she didn't mean to become obsessed with the Joker, but has become obsessed with the Joker. And then at the very end, they do a stabby kissy thing, and I'm like, it's. It's, it's a new, it's a new Robin is, in a different way. Harley Quinn. It's, it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's him getting a new Robin, just like we get Batman gets new Robins. Mm, and I, I think if I read those Batman books with her in it, because I, I liked, I liked her character in that first Batman book where she's like, oh, I took the Joker gas and I put it with, uh the fear toxin and that like you're talking i was like okay she's smarter than just a bim like than just a bimbo i mean it makes sense that the joker would mm-hmm. have somebody smart with him i mean kind of harley quinn is smarter than she kind of presents herself mm-hmm. so it just it just didn't i don't know it just didn't fit and then like the um the character that colin is talking to is obviously one of her followers who have the Joker tattoo on their forearm because they show him raising his arm, but they're definitely blocking where the tattoo would be. So it's Mm -hmm. a character who's a, whatever that guy's name is that he met is a character that is following her or in her and the Joker cult. That's now going to try to get him into the cult. Like you could kind of see where this book was by the end of this book, you could kind of see where it's going to go. Um, I don't, I don't hate it, but You're, I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't get why I was supposed to like it. No, that that's okay. But I'm trying to formulate counterpoint. I don't think it's necessarily a cult as much as it is people listening to something and believing it and buying into it based off of just the evidence that they're being provided. And that's very much what her podcast has been because 
she's trying to make people empathize with the Joker and see it from her perspective, which even at the end of the book, she's like, you know, I've had this many people listening across this many content continents, like this many countries. This has a wider, broader spread than you ever would have thought. And I think that just teaching like the dangers, oh gosh, the dangers of the media um, because no matter what you're selling, there's going to be somebody out there that's that's buying it. I mean, John, your brother-in-law had an Infowars sticker on his van. Like, there are people out there that when they hear something, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe more people aren't talking about this, aren't hearing this. No, so many people don't know the facts. Let me let me share that with you. And I think for Colin, it's something that's interesting because he is seeing that battle from the other side because Harper's kind of like the black sheep of the bat family, like her and Duke Thomas, like they're in there, but they're not as focused on as everybody else. So I was just happy to see Leslie Tompkins and Harper Rowe in this because cool. They still exist. Um, but he's very much seeing everything from Harper's perspective. And then for him to kind of delve into that little bit darker side it becomes a little bit more interesting because Tim, yeah, like Harper, you're poisoned because you have that bat on your chest. Like you're not seeing the whole picture because you're being fed your own information. You need to check out this other side. It's, I think it was an interesting enough story. Yeah. I and I, like I say cult yeah, just because <clears throat> if you guys like this page out, like where they show everybody with the tattoos yeah, committing some type of crime. Um, mm-hmm. To silence uh, the and it's just, yeah. and that's why like her followers, maybe not a cult, but people who are following her who have yeah. well, I, the the radical the radical radicalization, yeah, and how I easy think it is to become radicalized it, if you only follow one side of a story, and that's something that can exist in the current universe. I mean, in real life, people are so into and excited about anything and everything that. They buy into it. You, I have a Ravenclaw tattoo. Like that, that's just part of who I am as a person. You have to imagine in the DC Comics universe, there are going to be people that are Joker or Bane or Sinestro fans. There's going to be people that follow these villains, just as much as there are people that follow those heroes. Uh, and a lot like uh, what's going on right now in the United States with some of our politicians you know yeah. it's if he kind of runs parallel with it's, it's some of those some of the things happening now uh but yeah do we want to talk about our next beer before we get into the next books um i haven't poured the next one yet so let me just take another sippy of this because i'm at yeah, the bottom I, and yeah let's quite ready either let's get into that and we're back, and we all have the same beer, because we're drinking Clown Shoes, guys. Twelve beers of Christmas. And the third beer of Christmas is Pecan Pie Porter. And this is a, a ale brewed with natural <laughs> flavors. Uh, and some of, those, on the can. some of those natural flavors uh, from the actual Clown Shoes website. Uh, honey malt, black malt, lactose, and natural pecan flavor. Pecan or Pecan. I'd basically be can. say pecan in, in Buffalo because they have like that Northeast accent. But in, 
in I'll say it both. I'll say it both but, ways. Because yeah. I'm not a big fan of the nut Pecan. to begin with. Yeah. It's good on a, a pie uh, like this. Yeah. Um, Conscious, they refer to this as a seasonal favorite to go alongside a classic dessert. Pecan pie porter puts sweet dessert flavors inside a full-bodied and I'm pretty porter. sure we've had this on the show in the past. Mm-hmm. I didn't log into it, but it might have been a different login, or it might have been one of those times where I didn't log into something. But I know I've had this beer before, and I'm pretty sure years ago we uh, probably discussed this beer on the show. But this is nice. So it's possible it might have been that time that I wasn't checking into stuff because I have no check-ins um, for this. But this is nice. It's got a a little sw- overly syrupy sweetness to it. Um, like like a pecan pie. And then uh, – it That's one of those pies that I can't eat a lot of. I like my desserts, but if someone offers me some like pecan pie, I'm like, uh, I'll have like a sliver. No, no, a little bit less than that, like, because it is so overly rich. I, I don't need a lot of it to get me there. When I hear of, like, the British dessert, like a, tri- 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 a trickle or trickle or whatever it's called, you know, the, the pecan pie, the filling without yeah. the pecans on top. It's just, like, that's sh- what it's I just imagine. sugar. And I'm like, no, like I want to want that. Yeah, it's just, just molasses-y sugar just condensed into a... And I, I'm not a big fan, and I'm not a big fan of this beer either. I, it's okay; it's got a nice nuttiness on the aftertaste. Um, drinking it though, it's just—I'm not getting all that much on it. I'm not getting that big sweetness that you guys are talking about. I might just that, have that sweetness like my bad cam. Right Everyone's got a bad cam. Has a bad cam, and I, have I a bad cam don't here. love it. I will say that it's the sweetness. Everything is very big and bold. But I haven't been into dark beers lately. It just is something that hasn't been the thing that I've been gravitating towards. I'm really, like, the things that are interesting me right now are, like, European Pilsners. You, you put a European Pilsner in front of me, I'm like, yeah, let's get that. I want that crackery malt flavor. Like, that's what I'm going for right now. So this is, like, total opposite of what my palate's been telling me I want to drink. I don't think it's bad. I think for 8%, it's incredibly smooth. I think you get some decent flavors off of it. Um, I could probably finish this while we sit and talk because it coats your palate. And like right now, I'm like, I could take another sip. And then you take that sip and I'm like, bah, that's, that's big and bold on my tongue. And then once it starts subsiding, it's like, oh, I could go for another sip. And then I take another sip and then I'm like, bah. Yeah, it has a nice linger to it, and it's a good sweetness up front, and then that smokiness from the porter just kind of comes in. It just, and it hangs. I don't think I need any more than this can, though. It's good, I like yeah. it, but I don't I don't need to drink more, but I'm gonna, because it tastes good, and we're gonna be talking about two more comic books, so I might as well. It's not my favorite of the three that we've had from tonight. No. Um are you, are you ready, then? Power ranking? Power ranking. Okay. Power we ranking. haven't done this in forever because we haven't drank in the same three beers in forever, guys. I'm very excited. Power ranking uh, is for, for me, enough. I'm sorry John had a bad can of it, but I have to say the Yeehaw 
was probably my favorite. That's something that I would get again. Like that would be my my go to the bar or the brewery, see that on top and be like, that would be my closer. Like I'll try different stuff, get it, and then at the end of the day, like when I'm like, Oh, I can do one more. Oh, give me a yeehaw. Like dig that. Uh then I would say Ranger Games just because it's just a good, nice malty drinkable beer. And then again, this is a dessert beer. Put it at the end. I like having it, but a little bit goes a long way on it. I'm going to second everything Chris said there, except, you know, at the brewery, I might not be like a closer, but I would make space for it on my flight board. Like, okay, I'm going to try all these other ones. I know I like that. Give me a sample of that. I'll be happy with it. Because even if all these other ones are just grenades, just horrible beers, at least I got that on my board. Uh, reindeer games yeah it's a nice malty beverage drink enjoyable nothing to stand out i'll probably forget about it after this podcast is over and this uh pecan pie i will never buy again like it's just not hitting me square in the uh tingly taste buds this is just a flop yeah or a grenade is that um i would definitely do the reindeer games number one uh, only because my second beer, which would be the Yeehaw, I probably, I drank more than that, enjoying that tanniny, tea-iness, maltiness to it. Um, where the Clown Shoes is just, uh, it's just a, the pecan pie. You mean the Sorry. pecan pie? The porter is My just, porter. it's just got a little too much of that sweetness up front. Um, like I said, I, I, continue to go back to it to drink it only because it's sitting in front of me um but i probably enjoyed doing the same thing with the yeehaw so reindeer games yeehaw and then the pecan hmm. okay so you well that makes sense you had a bad can but yeah but again no, you almost had a clean sweep i, I am ranking style no no losers i think these are all like solid beers and i think if you haven't had a Clown Shoes beer before, picking up this 12-pack, and we'll get to the rest of them in further episodes, I think if you just drink, you know, one, two, three, instead of just going to the fridge, grabbing one, pulling out, what do I have? Okay. Uh, they're showing a little bit of range, and I I do like that. Even though the first two were IPAs, they are different enough that they would appeal to different beer drinkers, even fans of different styles of IPAs. And they did get progressively more malty, more dark. You know, that first one was very bright, very fruity, very big bitter on the back end. And the next one's all malt deliciousness. And that leads you right into this pecan porter. And so, yeah, uh, for three red in a row, I think, uh, I think they kind of, and for also for the price you're paying, I don't know what the other ones are, but like, a 7%, a 7%, and an 8%. Like, you didn't pay 20 what, $22, $24? I think it was yeah. $25.99. Like, you didn't pay it for, like, a, a 4% and a 5%. You're getting a, a high, mm-hmm. a higher ABV beer. Um, spoilers for next week. That one is a 9%. <laughs> is it the Belgian Quad? Huh? Oh, no, it's mm. a double IPA. 
Okay, so it starts us back up. So uh, every so three beers. Without without spoiling what we're going to be drinking next, nine percent, eight percent, six point five percent, seven percent, eight percent, eight percent, eight percent, seven percent, eight percent. So Chris percent. The lowest is six point five. So they're all yeah. kind of right around. And you get a couple like that. And I, d- I mean, like as I said, I. One, we have a Belgian quad in there, which I'm interested in checking out. Yeah, the, uh, per, the higher percentage of alcohol it just doubles down on my whole thing. That this would be great to pick up for a holiday party, and you're splitting every single can, and you're just sitting there drinking it. Something to talk about, you know, other than like how's how has worked up for you. Like at least then you get to talk about a beer, which is you know. It's more fun than talking about real life. Much like talking about comics is a lot more fun than talking about real life. And that's why you're here listening to the Bagna Boardcast. And we're talking about a book that Chris picked up. I didn't. We didn't discuss which one we were going with next. Nope, nope, it's getting further uh, away. So, so. Oh, sorry, John, Chris, we already talked about your one book. John. You picked yeah. up two And other books. Uh, that'll take us over to Marvel Comics putting out Taskmaster number one, written by Jed McKay, art by Alessandro Vidi. And this is Somebody Has Killed Maria Hill. It is set up to look like Taskmaster has done that, which kind of puts a target on his back. And uh, he ends up teaming up with the new Nick Fury to try to figure out who actually killed Maria Hill. Uh, I thought this book was going to be a lot more kind of espionage and a little more gritty. And you kind of figure out right away that it is more slapstick and zany because you have yeah it's you Deadpool? you have Taskmaster and Bullseye being paid to be in costume playing at a charity golf event kind of a thing and Taskmaster is kind of schlubby in this where he is at the same point like well no I was going to win the golf game because I watched you know, these three players play golf so I can swing like they can. I can fight like this guy because I watched a video, so I know how to do that. Like, there was some kind of fun elements to it, but it wasn't delivered well enough to actually make it really resonate. Uh, I was really let down by this book. I thought this was going to be a really kind of fun spy espionage caper uh paul do you remember when we read that book where it was the shield agent and he was trying to protect the woman who was the winter soldier was trying to kill him and they were on the train and they had to escape from the train and then they're in the village like that was yeah, a yeah that was black that was black Widow no it was no wasn't it? it was it was a winter soldier book but it was like it was the the Asian um, Shield agent. I can't think of his name for the life of me right now. Um, but it was like his book of his time where he fought against the Winter Soldier. But it was like a really good espionage, like 
we got to get off the train, and now we got to get through yeah. this, the the Alps to this village to get away from the Winter Soldier, who's trying to kill this Mark, who I have to protect. I was really hoping for a fun, gr- maybe a little bit gritty espionage story with this on who killed Maria Hill, and you, and then you, <laughs> and then you get, yeah, you get Caddyshack, like. Just a dopey version of those characters. And um, I don't know, I was really let down by this book. I have questions. Mm-hmm. I just have a bunch of questions with uh, reading this book. With Taskmaster, a Taskmaster character that I don't think I've ever read in a comic book. I think I've only seen him <laughs> as a hero click. Um, can you see his eyes, like, in his mask? Is that a thing? Like, I always thought it was a full mask and you couldn't see his eyes underneath it. Because this is definitely a Skeletor mask versus what I assumed was more... No, like... like I don't know. Like, every time I think of Taskmaster, I think of just, like, more of hockey, a... Hockey mask? A more... A, a, yeah, hockey mm-hmm. mask. A iconic mask, not a full, like, oh... This I is his classic costume. And he did have that kind of hockey mask, skull mask, kind of in the 2000s kind of era. Um, And I think he's had a couple versions of his costume, but this is that classic look. Um, My other question is, I don't know if Maria Hill, because I'm a bad comic book fan, everybody. Sorry, been doing this comic book podcast for 11 years. Hope you realized. Um... Maria Hill, created for the MC Universe, or was around well before that? John's saying yes uh, by nodding his head. I, well, I didn't want to speak podcast. over you, yes. but I was letting you know okay, that she no, wasn't sorry. created for the Marvel Universe. She was created well before that. Okay, so she's been around, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. So her death would have a certain amount yeah. of gravitas. Phil Coulson, though. Correct. Great for the MCU universe. Yes. Okay. Because he gets a name shout out. And then the uh, person that's in charge of Wakanda, you know, spy ring. Okoye. Great for the. She's an MC universe. You know, cinematic universe. I don't read enough Black Panther to know because she really came on my radar in Black Panther. So she may have for me. Okay. she may have existed in the comics before that, but the four <clears throat> Black Panther comic books I read previously didn't have her in it, so I I can't speak to that. But they are all well, at least like Coulson and Okoye are recognizable enough mm-hmm. in the wider Marvel universe now, whether it's cinematic or comic book that they've kind of started to bleed into each other because Coulson does now appear in the comic books because he was such a big character from the MCU. And that leads into my whole like kind of confusion of, okay, how major are these characters? Did they kill off Maria Hill, you know? So I, I, can't, I can't believe they killed off Maria Hill in this book right now. Co- comic books, though. So, like, she you know, she might not be really Life dead. Life model you know, decoy. She's in deep cover. Like... Yeah, things happen. And also, this is the not comic book Nick Fury. This is the other Nick Fury that was introduced. Nick Fury's son, you know, based off of Sam Chair. Yeah, so it's all very weird. It's just 
Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to grasp on and have fun with this book. And the humor was very... Because it's forced and poorly written. And it seems like, okay, at this point, who's this book for? Like, I guess a reader that... Because these characters seem to have more to do with the MC universe, at least for me, than, you know, your old school comic book reader that might know who Taskmaster is, but... I don't know. I just don't know who this book is for. I didn't like it. Uh, this book's for me because this is my <laughs> favorite book of, of this uh, month because let me tell you a story about back in the early 2000s cool. when Marvel seemed to not want to give any more money to the creators of characters like Deadpool. So they completely scrubbed the character from any of their lines, but then relaunched him under a new name as Agent X. Uh, and they did the same things with other books like X-Force and Cable, where it really looked like they didn't want to give any more money to writers like Fabian Nicieza and artists like um, Rob Liffield, because anytime those characters got used, they got paid. So it's just kind of like a nope, washing our hands. We'll do Agent X, who could be Deadpool, we don't know. And Gail Simone did a fantastic run, which is really what got me aware of who Taskmaster was as a character. And I really liked that book a lot. It was a lot of fun. And Taskmaster was kind of the straight man to Agent X's Alex Hayden, who was Deadpool, but without being called Deadpool, uh, written by Gail Simone. A lot of fun. The next time I saw Taskmaster appear in anything, it was New Avengers, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Finch. And then seeing the character in that book, I'm like, oh no, Like this is just too grim and gritty. This isn't the character that I kind of grew to like know and like from Agent X. This, this isn't my Taskmaster. This is that Taskmaster where he is kind of schlubby, but he's still really good at what he does. He know he knows it, but he's excuse me, <clears throat> he's realistic about it. Uh, I think this is a fun who done it, and the people trying to solve the murder mystery are just being chased down by Marvel's best spies, like the person chasing. Taskmaster across the the golf course is Black Widow, and Nick Fury's is like, oh yeah, of course Black Widow will want you dead. Like Maria Hill was like an inspiration to her. Better get in your golf cart, you know, run away. You see him tap into like Hawkeye. You see him tap into Ghost Rider as he's driving the golf cart away across the field. <laughs> There's fun moments in this book, and John, I. On the complete opposite side, I like that this book doesn't take itself too seriously because that's not who I read Taskmaster to be and want them to be. Uh, so yes, this this book is made for me. So when it was billed as the death of Maria Hill, would you guys did that leave a gravit? I think that led to a gravitas for both John and I. And then when it got to the you know, celebrity golf tournament, I'm like, wait, what? I don't understand. What? 
you know, I, I was so confused by it at that point. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, okay, maybe Maria, Maria Hill doesn't actually have any kind of gravitas, any kind of weight in the comic book world. I maybe think, she's, you know what I mean? I think you can do a meta reading of this and realize you were reading a comic book and whatever they're telling you ultimately doesn't matter. And them undercutting it right away with Taskmaster being someone's double at a celebrity golf challenge to benefit the children of mafia killings is is it's being uh, oversaw by the widows of a mafia. Yeah, it, it, that's all you really need to know about this because if it wasn't just a regular comic book, you would know like, oh yeah. Like everything will work out in one way or another, but the fact that they kind of oversell it so much, with like the only evidence you see is like some blood splatters, a broken picture frame, and then Taskmaster Shield there. there there's not enough evidence to go on right there. To sum up what you were saying, Chris, are you saying Paul, get over yourself? Not not get over yourself, but just meta read it. Like you, okay. You've read enough comic books that you can pick up on these threads and start pulling them apart because yeah, I can. You I can know pick up how issue three. you know okay. how stories are I, being like. Told. I, I just have to say, like yeah. a couple lookbacks ago, or maybe last month's lookback, we did the um, the Black Widow book, which I thought was a good spy book that still had some humor to it, but it was a little more serious in that book. And I think that's maybe what I would have enjoyed more out of this. I didn't hate this book. Like you said, like when he taps into Hawkeye, he's like, I've seen Hawkeye do that. I've seen Ghost Rider drive. Like, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy, like, the the Nick Fury, like, I know you didn't kill Maria Hill, because if you did, you wouldn't have gotten into the car. You wouldn't have gotten like, into the car with me. Like, there was some interesting moments. I probably wouldn't buy issue two, but if the trade was on sale, I would buy the trade to see where it was going to go. I think if this was super serious spy drama, it would probably just read like every other Marvel comic book though. Like there wouldn't be anything to want to get you to want to read it because you know, at the end of it, it's still going to work out okay. I like that this book's like, yeah, no, you're going to have some fun with a who done it. Okay, so who did it? I just realized it was Maria Hill. She set up her own death to and to frame and had to frame Taskmaster because it was the only way for her to unlock the thing to get to, for the hammer or whatever protocol, right? I, that's the obvious end. I, that, I mean, that's Nick Fury doing it, I think, is setting it all up to get Taskmaster to unlock the protocol with, yeah. like, the bio... Not biometric. I forget what the word that they used for it is. No, but. it was biometric, but it was super advanced <laughs> biometric where you had to do... Where it had to do... Uh, key, uh, oh my it was God. the movements of three it specific the, people the within 30 seconds of each other to prove that they're in the room. Kinetics. Yeah. Kinetics. I thought, I thought the Black Widow character, because you don't see her till the end when Nick Fury reveals that it was Black Widow. I thought that character was Maria Hill. Like, she was setting stuff in motion, mm-hmm. and you weren't going to see who that masked person was driving him to do stuff till... Oh, Black Widow's totally in on it. She, that's why she missed this whole time. 
Um, like, I don't think Black, Black Widow's Widow in wanted on him it. dead, he would have been dead. I'm, I'm not surprised that it is Black Widow, though, because we are getting this Taskmaster book, much like we got the Black Widow book from last month, because we should have had the Black Widow movie by now. So things were set in motion, so they just need to publish these. No. Uh, and then that'll take us into our last book, and this is coming out of Jeff Lemire's uh, Black Hammer series, and this is uh, one of the original characters that appeared in Black Hammer, uh, the Barbarian... Barbarian, thank you. Barbarian. Took me to the wrong thing. This is a story about a Martian that's masquerading as a cop. What's Martian Manhunter. Yep. And whose name uh, is Mark Marks? Yeah, John Jones yeah. with a Z. Mark Marks with a Z. Uh, who is also, but he's a different species, different race. So is he a homosexual? Uh, he presents as male, and he's also attracted to males of our species. Our, yeah. Yeah, species. Yeah. Um, and it's during it during uh, 19, it's set in 1991, where the AIDS epidemic has been raging, and you know politicians are still slow to act. Uh, and so it's about a cop that's trying that's set against the people that he's he's set against himself, his own personhood his own identity, and I kind of enjoyed this take on social commentary a lot more than I enjoyed the social commentary in Punchline. I I like the social commentary, but I just don't think it was an engrossing or engaging enough read for me to want to care about it. Um, I, think- I might have framed it little too heavy-handedly, but I think it framed itself a little heavy-handedly as well. It does, and the whole time I... Because I've never read any Black Hammer, but the whole time I was reading this, I had just visions of... And and you're supposed to. And Marsh Marsh Manhunter being in this situation with caring about people and wanting to learn more about humanity and then just seeing the injustice done on people by other people but then still doing his duty because, yes, he feels something for them because they're being wronged, and he can see that. But he's also, in his like civilian persona, taken an oath that he's going to serve and protect, and that kind of steps in line with that. So he's trying to do both. It's a good conundrum for a character to be in, but I just don't care about the characters in this position. Um, least favorite book of the of the week, and it's it's just I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. As heavy as it was, and I think it's a story that should be told, and it tells that story well. But I just wasn't interested in it. Uh Oh, yeah. I, and it, uh, we mentioned it. It is basically a. Co- the aliens call each other Barbalian or Bar Butcher or whatever the one Barb Warrior at the end. Like that's just uh, part of their name. Bar Bounty. Bar Bounty. That was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
That that's the thing that they do. You know, maybe maybe bar is the prefix for people that go off world. I think at this. So they call the the one of their own the barbarian. Well, why would? No, no, he calls himself that. So and they actually kind okay. of make fun uh, of him for saying. That. Yeah, I mean, it's like I, Martian. Again, Martian never, man. Never read it. I like it's a cool sounding name. Uh, having I after reading this, and then I also picked up the the like Adam Strange one, which actually I think was better than this. Um, and this book we didn't talk about it, but is written by Tate Brombell and Gabriel Hernandez Walta doing art. Um, but yeah, like so. This is Dark Horse's, like, alternate universe for some DC, mostly DC characters and a couple kind of maybe Marvel characters. Uh, the thing that I I like about these books, and I know, like, I just change a thought completely from what I was just talking about. But, like, the thing I like is there a different take on some of those major characters or characters that you like from the DC world. And I'm going to say that because most of the characters that have had their own spinoffs now are the DC versions of those of, uh, characters. So I think this is a really interesting story for a Martian Manhunter, for a John Jones. And it is definitely a parallel with that. He, be, you know, Martian comes to Earth, becomes a superhero, is a cop uh, in his world too. Um, and I kind of enjoy that it is an interesting take on Martian Manhunter, who is a character I like. Do I know the Barbalian enough to like him? Not yet, but I understand kind of what his character is about. Uh, it's definitely a different take where he's not the last of his race. He's maybe someone I think he was supposed to come to Earth to see about colonizing or taking over and became a superhero to protect it. Um, and then it also has very, like, John Carter of Mars alien kind of feel to it um, with the Martian stuff. I I liked this book. Okay, okay. Uh, this is probably my favorite book out of the three that we've read. And I like that it's kind of that alternate, different take on a character that we, quote-unquote, kind of know. Um I think the uh, the Adam Strange one, Paul. It's in my you know, it's in my queue. Like you can read it. I think you'd like it. Um, I think it's better than the Tom King Adam Strange book that we read months ago. Because um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's Adam Strange. He's unstuck in time. Or he's just super crazy. Like, you can't really tell exactly where his story's coming from. And it's a good take on that Adam Strange type character. Uh, so I thought this book was a success. I probably would buy issue two. But at that point, after that, I'd probably wait for the trade, depending on whether or not issue two really sold me. But I'd like to see where this story goes. Um, and with that, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I kind of feel like I, 
got a good bit of setup here, and I feel like that setup, though, was a little stretched. And I'm like, I kind of wish this was just a small trade, like, or a single prestige issue, where it's, like, 60 pages. Two, like, two and a half issues worth of story. Yeah, yeah. And I got, uh, I got the whole story, because I see what they're trying to say here. I understand it. You know, and I just want to see it wrapped up and uh, them come to that conclusion. Because I am interested to see what happens to this character who's, you know, a cop who's basically set against the people he's set against himself, set against his own his own uh, idea of identity. So I I think that's an interesting and worthwhile story to tell right now. I just want it all very quickly and consumable. I don't think this is an ongoing. I think it is just a miniseries kind of a thing. Miniseries. Going to be just a trade. Um, But I thought, I, I thought it was pretty good. And it definitely takes place before the events of Black Hammer, where it's kind of the Justice League character fighting a Galactus type character and to defeat him or save the world they're put like in a separate dimension where they're forced to live on a farm altogether, the superheroes. Um, and he was kind of like barbarian was kind of one of those breakout characters. Cause he was kind of aloof. You, you got that he was Martian Manhunter, but he wasn't the same Martian Manhunter that we know. And, uh, I've enjoyed most of the, Black Hammer spin-off books and Black Hammer books that I've read. Um, I thought the Starman one that we read was I think we read the first issue and you and I think just you and I just talked about yeah, it. First one. But I think our love of Starman took away from enjoying that it was a take on that book where it was just like all it made me want to do mm-hmm. was read Starman again. And I think I went and grabbed just a random trade and sat down and read it in- instead of any more of that. The third trade when uh, he's up in the cosmos, though, like I could see you liking that a lot more than I. I, I love the first. With I love the first volume the most. Like I, I just like sitting down and rereading oh. that book. I've probably reread it five, six times. Like, it's just, I really love Jack coming into his own. Uh, but if you like this podcast, uh, find us over. Have we come into our own yet? It's been 11 <laughs> years. I don't know. Uh, uh, if you like this podcast, uh, find us over on the social media. Look for our um, our website. We've had one of those for a long time. Uh different platforms it's changed over the years uh let us know if you've noticed uh and uh you know uh let us know what you think about these clown shoes beers if you got that pack and um let us know what we should be looking forward to in that pack too if you get that pack and you drink it without us hey and uh if you're a listener that donated to our uh, my uh turkey trot i i do want to say a big thank you uh to uh, T.J. Stewart. I don't know. Uh, hopefully you're a listener, and thank no, you thank for the you. donation. 